Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Independent Talk. Proper Talk. News Talk. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on the always open for business talk radio. No masks required, uh, no vaccine passports, no nasty people walking around telling you uh, to put something on your face. That doesn't happen here because this is the home of common sense, the home of free speech and it is the world headquarters of the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Something uh, which is obviously quite alien to an awful lot of people sitting in Downing Street right now. We awake this morning to an entire series of parcels of news. Not at all bad, most of it. Uh, Boris Johnson has been declared unfit to lead the country by Sir Keir Starmer, who is also unfit to lead the country. Uh, the Tories are now trailing the Labour Party by six points as they prepare to introduce more stringent measures on our freedoms over the coming days. People are being told to work from home, but there's a very amusing wrinkle to that regulation. The Sun has apparently worked out that you can actually work from the pub with your mates. I mean, that seems like a good idea to me. And you don't have to wear a mask in public spaces either, as long as you're drinking or singing. So we'll be all right then. Um, up first this morning, uh, we've got Richard Tice, leader of the Reform UK party, with his take on the shambolic week that Boris Johnson has had. And where we go from here, because after all, it's all getting a bit ludicrous, isn't it? These COVID measures are reaching peak ridiculousness. It's like carry on Corona, for heaven's sake. 0344-499-1000. We'll be checking with Esther Krakow too. We'll find out what she makes of what's been going on and why Allegra Stratton appears to be the only person carrying the can so far in the whole Christmas party gate scenario. Plus, we'll get the latest from the hospitality business where it seems a lot of Christmas party business has been wiped out thanks to bumbling Boris and his medical henchmen. 0344 499 1000. Lois Perry's here as well. She'll bring us the news from her campaign to oppose the crazy green lobby with her organisation Car26. And we'll be working out just why the NHS is seemingly incapable of doing anything efficiently. The breaking news last night was that record numbers of patients are now waiting more than 12 hours in A&E. I mean, is there anything they can do? For heaven's sake, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest great radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say time to welcome Mr Richard Tice, looking very fit and well uh, into the studio. I think the first time in a while, I think. Well, yeah, it's great to be back on the show, yeah. live in the studio, Mike. Hasn't it been away? And yeah, I've had, had some great experiences on Sunday. I regaled the listeners with yeah. some of them. I mean, just hysterical, actually. I love campaigning. It's an absolute hoot. You've no idea what's going to happen on the doorstep. Yeah. Uh, but you certainly hear people's views and you learn a lot. You never stop learning. Right. And uh, what I learnt at campaigning was nothing compared to what's happened to Boris Johnson this week. Well, I mean, this week has been extraordinary. I was saying to, to, uh, to Julia there, I came in, I just kind of sat in the chair and went, right, well, we're now, we've reached Friday. And I mean, it's literally anything could happen. I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do next. I mean, I cancelled my trip to America, which was really annoying and um, upset yeah, me quite a bit, but I sort of got over yeah. it by about Tuesday because I was then caught up in what was happening. That actually I thought, well, now at least I know I've done the right thing because I think if I had gone away, um, I would have just not enjoyed it. I would have been on edge. I would have been worried that I was going to get pinged, that I was going to have to do hospital, I was going to have to do quarantine in America, which yeah. would have cost me a fortune and all of those things. Anyway, so because I, I just feel in my bones that they're going to make it worse over the course of the next two weeks. Well, I mean, we, you know, there's all this talk of dead cat. I don't know yeah. whether it's a cat, a cheetah or a leopard. Or but a I mean, baby. Or, or, or a baby. baby. I, mean, but, I mean, just to make it even more ridiculous, yesterday he's had another baby. He couldn't make it up. I mean, you know, he's, he's repopulating the world. I mean, it's extraordinary. Uh, just unbelievable. And uh, to cap it all, yesterday, um, Twitter got grumpy with me. Oh, really? Yes. No, I put out what I thought was a helpful video uh, about... Um, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't going to use a vaccine mm. passport. Right. Uh, I wasn't going to wear a mask. Yeah. And I told, I said why. Yeah. And it's not as if you're the only person saying it. Well, exactly. Anyway, um, 
uh, Twitter didn't like the uh, uh, the way that I described the effectiveness oh, yeah. of masks. So mm. they made it impossible for anybody to like, retweet, really, uh, or comment on. So they didn't put uh, you in Twitter jail. They just no, they just described the it as medical and misinformation. Really? Yeah. So uh, you know. So you how do think, they come up with these plans? I mean, how do they say that that's medical they've obviously misinformation? Got, they've obviously got either some uh, you know thousands of people somewhere, but more likely it's probably some. AI thing, Some but algorithm, uh, you know, yeah. you just think the world's going completely yeah. mad. Where we we're not even allowed to discuss the effectiveness of certain mm. non-medical interventions. Yeah. You think it's just, just extraordinary. Well, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever medically that there is a huge difference in the type of mask that you wear. That is not in any way yeah, uh, in so question. It right? was just it's it's just it, it's the madness of the world we're in. Yeah, and I mean, you couldn't get over the headlines this week where you know you can't go to work but you can go to party. Although what you've yeah. just said, actually, is potentially, it's the dream solution, isn't it? Yeah. Open the pubs Working for breakfast. Working from the pub. <laughs> Open the pubs for breakfast. Well, Everybody go to work in the pub. This is it. And I let's mean, see whether that improves productivity or not. Yeah. Well, apparently, because it's, there's, there's so many loopholes in these rules, because they are so ludicrous, because how on earth do you say to people, right, you can wear a mask uh, in all public spaces. Now, first of all, I'm not sure what all public spaces mean, because surely a pub is also a public space, but you don't have to wear one in a pub. And you also don't have to wear one if you're singing. So obviously, when I go walking around Waitrose later on, I'll just be humming. I mean, is humming okay? Uh, or do you have to actually be singing words? Well, let's be clear. I think it's better that I hum rather than sing. Yes. That is for sure. Yes. Well, that's all right. You can always do a rousing uh, so I, chorus. I would of, pretend never, I was singing. You do a rousing chorus if you never walk alone and just take a scarf with you. Yes. And, now that, you know, you could be celebrating Liverpool's that's great right. season. The, the problem is, if I, if I do that anywhere near the Chelsea football ground, <laughs> yeah. then, I, then I'll be yeah, I wouldn't do it around my way where there's a lot of Millwall fans <laughs> or West Ham. But I mean, you know, we jest, but this has been an unbelievably mad, serious week. Yeah. And you actually think about what has really gone on here. And the truth is, in my view, crystal clear, the Prime Minister has been caught misleading yeah. the nation, yes. misleading the House of Commons, yeah. and uh, he's now trying to backtrack mm. out of it. And, uh, you know, I think, I think everybody can see it. Well, even and, Wallpaper Gate has now come back to haunt Well, And while that wasn't an important story at the time... Now it kind of is, isn't it? It really is, because I think up and down the country, people are now seeing this Prime Minister for what he is. Mm. He, he, you know, he, he has, a, at best, a tenuous relationship mm. with the truth. Yeah. Um, at best. Even that, I think, frankly, that thin string, that thin cord mm. has been cut. Yeah. And it's pretty clear that he didn't tell the truth mm. to uh, Lord Guite, um, the standards... Uh, person that he appointed, right. who's now possibly going to, who's leave. now possibly going to, re and I think if if Lord Guite resigns over being misled by mm. the Prime Minister on Wallpaper Gate, that's huge, isn't it? I think that's absolutely yeah. huge, and you wonder how much longer uh, Boris Johnson can keep staggering mm. on. I mean, it's just. And there, is, there are three other things, it seems to me, that are important as well. So Keir Starmer made him give an assurance that he would give all uh, papers and information to the police as far as this uh, party that went on uh, on the 18th of December. Now, has he done that? And if he hasn't done it, why hasn't he done it? Who's asking these questions? Surely Keir Starmer should be you know, coming up every single day. But the police... Say, have you sent them yet? But the police have already indicated they're probably not going to bother to look into yeah, well, it. Yeah, no, but that's ludicrous, though. I mean, Completely how can they ludicrous. say we're not looking into yeah, it without, without knowing had... what they've seen? They haven't seen anything. Mind you, we're quite used to that with the police, aren't well, that's we? I true, mean, yeah. you know, if you give them some CCTV footage, yeah. as I have done recently, yes. you know, with the faces of some burglars yeah. literally there, right. um, they'll take it, and, but then they won't do anything. No. No. That's I mean, too difficult for them. All so, right. Okay, so, so he's basically going to get away with that one then. So he's not going to be prosecuted. However, well, surely Keir Starmer, if he was in any way sensible or good at what he did, he'd say, all right, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you give them to us then? If you're not going to give them to the police, we need to see the results of your investigation, which is going on. And are you... I mean, he was he was flapping about all over the place at the press conference when he said... When he was asked by um, one of the journalists there, I can't remember which Pippa one. Pippa I think. I think. Kruger, yeah, she asked a great question. About, you know, what about this party on the 13th? And he was bumbling around. He couldn't call it... He didn't know whether to call it an event, didn't know whether to call it a, something that didn't happen. But don't worry, all of the rules were... But there's were, there's been a very to. clear shift in the language that he and everyone around him has been using. Mm. Initially, last week, when he sent his ministers out, they said there was no party, no rules, mm. the guidance hasn't been broken. Yeah. Now, it is, I've been assured yes. that no rules were broken. Yeah, who assured him? Well, That's what I want to know. I mean, it is his house, after all. Right. And if there's a gathering of 50 people, uh, you know, you might know about it. You would think. Uh, unless they can prove that he actually wasn't in, in the premises, mm. wasn't in the building. It's a bit like, you know, was there or was there not a gathering... Uh, in his flat yeah. with his wife right. on the day 
that Dominic Cummings mm. left. Um, you know, and, I and, just and think... we also know what, from, from people that you will know as well uh, that I've spoken to who go in and out of Downing Street all the time, and there are many of them. You know, that place has always been a place where rules are not adhered to. You know, they've got a couple of little cafes where people go and sit. Uh, people sit there drinking coffee. When we were supposed to be social distancing outside, they weren't doing it. Nobody wears a mask. They get told to wear a mask when they come out the front yeah. door. You know, this, this feeds into to the feeling that the people have got, that they don't believe the rules themselves. I think it comes down to accountability. Mm. And quite rightly, Allegra Stratton resigned. Yeah. But I don't see how... The, uh, the the head of press, the director of comms, uh, this chap, Jack Doyle. Mm. I don't see how he can stay no. in his position. No. I mean, you know, at the very same time, he was organising press releases yeah. and telling ministers the language to use to say we all had to stay at home last Christmas. Yeah. He himself was organising gatherings not to abide by the rules. Right. I mean, that's just completely untenable. Well, and indeed, the rest of the press team. How could they have... I just find... Frankly, I think everybody at that gathering should be considering their positions yeah. and should be trying to should you know they should either resign if they've got any integrity any decency they should say look hands up we stepped over the line and you know we should have been upholding the standards to the highest possible yeah. threshold exactly because right. they were setting the rules yeah and look at this story today three women have been fined for house parties held on the same day as the Downing Street Christmas party the cases emerged as a former senior police officer called for the December 18th party at number 10 to be investigated so the police surely have got to do something about this uh, they say they've ruled out an inquiry but um, Amy Goto uh, 23 from West London was fined £1,000 plus court costs after Westminster Magistrates Court found that she had without reasonable excuse participated in a gathering in a flat so it's, ordinary people get yes. done for a thousand pound fine Boris Johnson and his cronies get nothing yeah and and I think that is upsetting people all over the country uh, and and it's it's just as people have said before it's not the actual uh, it, it's not the original thing it's not the original action it's the cover-up. Yes. Even though the original the action lies. was wrong. Yes, I mean, the, was the original action was wrong but it's it's the cover-up and then the cover-up of mm. the cover-up yeah and it's just, it's endless. And I think people have said, actually, no, this is wrong. You know, and, and he hasn't, he hasn't properly apologised. No, of course not. But it's also, just... has he reached, I mean, for me, I've been saying this all week. Um, and I think this time he has overstepped the mark and he has gone too far. Because we've seen him recover from stuff, stuff before. But I think now there are so many people who just see him as a busted flush, who don't trust him, who really don't want to see him it... there anymore. And in a way, and I know it's not nice to use individual kind of personal stories but in a way him having a baby yesterday you just kind of go what was he thinking but you know you it's, can't it's do everything you know credit to you because it's probably two months since you originally called out the prime minister yeah. and said he was the right guy to get brexit done yeah but actually you don't think he's the right guy to lead the recovery no, out of COVID. he clearly isn't and and in a sense all of this i think has proven that your original call was was bang on mm. right and and he's not and it's just you know the there's no question that he bounced his cabinet and the whole country mm. into Plan B yeah. as a distraction. Absolutely, and, which and, is unforgivable. And one of it, it? I, I think that many of his own MPs now realise that. I think William Ragg, who bravely stood up as mm -hmm. a backbench Tory MP, uh, he's the chairman of one of the uh, select committees. He stood up and he says, "Prime Minister, people will mm. know if uh, you use Plan B as a sort of as a distraction." As a distraction, yeah. Nobody's um, going to buy it. You and uh, and you know, I just think that it, there's no logic to Plan B. There's a vote in the House of Commons, uh, I think, on Tuesday think next on Tuesday, week. Yeah. And this is really interesting, isn't it? Because he's not going to get it passed. Dozens and dozens and dozens of his own Tory MPs, and therefore Labour, under the strong, robust, visionary leadership mm. of Keir Starmer, yes. have the opportunity now to turn over the government. Yeah. But are they going to take well, it? Well, no, because they think that he should be doing what he's doing. In fact, he should have done it sooner. In, in which case, it's not strong, robust, mm. visionary leadership. No. It's weak, feeble leadership. Uh, just well, that was my <coughs> point earlier about him saying that, uh, you know, Boris Johnson is unfit to lead the country. Well, so is Keir Starmer, unfortunately for us. So yes, we don't really because, have a choice. So uh, the only choice we really have is to find a new Tory leader, isn't it? Well, that will be, I think that's clearly uh, on the minds mm. uh, and, and discussions going on uh, in the chat rooms of the Tory MPs. Yeah. And what's interesting is it's being led by the new intake of Tory MPs from 2019. Yes. Yes. A lot of the Red Wall MPs, yeah. quite actually, they just see it and they say it as it is. Mm. 
what they see because also many of them many of them are the ones who will lose their seats because they haven't got massive majorities an awful lot that's right and and so they're looking over their shoulders uh, and yeah they're they're quite rightly concerned Mm. and uh you know they just they they know what is right and wrong they know their constituents know what is right Mm. and wrong and that's the simple point we're at now there's no evidence at all that justifies plan b whatsoever and, you know, I just think the various measures within it, uh, you know, such as vaccine passports, we, we know they don't work yeah. because they haven't worked in the countries that have no, been using exactly them. exactly right. It's made no and also in zero difference. The, the mood music in the background is, well, we might be uh, unsure of whether or not this uh, new variant is, is resistant to the vaccine. Well, what's the point of a vaccine passport then? <laughs> exactly. You know, you can't have it both ways. You, you can't have it both ways, exactly. Uh, and it's that bizarre thing. I mean... <clears throat> You sort of say, so <clears throat> we're not sure if it's going to be um, if the vaccine's going to work with it. So go and get the vaccine. Yeah. Again, that's an illogical argument. Yes, the first two haven't worked, so you have a third. Okay, then. I mean, I mean that's literally, literally like banging your head against we, the wall. Isn't we it? know that the vaccines reduce hospitalizations and reduce deaths, and there's no indication that they don't work against Omicron. And there's every indication. Looking at the data, mm. quite useful to look at the data coming out of South Africa. Yeah. Yes, cases have, go- have gone up. Uh, and it appears to be more transmissible. But no, it doesn't appear that there's any deaths whatsoever. Right. Uh, it doesn't appear that there's an increase in hospitalizations. So you sort of think, hmm, well, maybe that's almost like that's that's how this is going to yeah. be. That's how life is going right. to be from here on. You're going to get variants. Some will be a bit more, some will be a bit less mm. transmissible. But that's called learning to live but with this But Wissi and Valance, who looked very uncomfortable earlier on this week... Um, if they're going to take the view that, well, we have to be very cautious because it might turn into something a lot worse, well, we'll never get out of this. It it's, will always be like this. Isn't it a strange thing that Theresa May, and I actually gave her credit mm. uh, on Twitter, I mean, she's really come into her own. Totally. Uh, becoming a backbench yeah. MP again. You know, she's, uh, her contributions are short, concise, mm. and bang on to yeah. the point at the moment totally. on COVID. You know, she's showing a, a strength and a courage. Yeah that is completely lacking in the Prime Minister and the Cabinet. Well, Boris Johnson seems to me, whenever he's now speaking, he's just tap-dancing. He's literally just tap-dancing. He's trying to move as fast as he can away from the question he's been asked so that he can just say, get the booster. And that's yes. basically all he does now. But he doesn't yes. supply any kind of information with any substance behind it at all. Has no, has no arguments. He just has <laughs> bluster. It's what's happening to all of the ministers now, they're reverting to that single mm. thing. Do you remember back in the early days... Uh, you know, they're, they're, whenever you tried to grill a minister, um, they would revert instantly. No, just um, uh, stay at home, uh, protect the NHS, mm. save lives. Yeah. Everything went back to that. It yeah. wouldn't answer any questions. It just went straight back to that. Yeah. And now, any real discussion, it, they take it straight mm. back. Get the booster. Yeah. Get the booster. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's... Um, and people are going, nah, maybe, maybe not. We're not sure. Because they've so undermined public confidence in everything. This is the point. That's the problem. And, of course, that's the real danger, mm. is that actually uh, those, you know, the, the elderly, the vulnerable, uh, the people most at risk, uh, you know, if, if, if their vaccines have expired and therefore they should get the booster, if they're even beginning to mm. question it, then actually that's a bad place. Yeah, and, it is. And I think it's really serious when, when a nation loses confidence uh, in the honesty of our Prime Minister and our cabinet ministers. Mm. That's a really bad place for any nation mm. to be in. You know, particularly, you know, the UK of all places. Yeah. The, the home of democracy, I yeah. like to think. I know. Unbelievable. So there we are, Richard. We've got a couple of other things to talk about. Richard Tice is here, a leader of the Reform UK party, of course. We've got lots of your calls to take. Keep them coming. Because, you know, I'm going to continue with my mantra of the entire week, which is that surely to God, it's time for Boris Johnson to go. Write to your Tory MP if you've got one and tell him. <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have had what I can only describe as probably the best week of all time. Uh, we've got more listeners than ever, more of you are tuning in, more and more of you are beginning to realise that this is the only place to get the proper story about what is actually going on in the corridors of power. Richard Tice, of course, who's got his own show here as well, uh, is all part of the of the beautiful tapestry of what we do because we've been saying a lot of this stuff, Richard, for a very long time. And, I mean, I know that there are still some diehard Boris fans out there who say... Why would you want to get rid of him? You know, who's going to come in in his place? But, I mean, I, I just think he's run his course now. They are declining in number. Yeah. There's no question at all. 
uh, the number of people who are you know just just openly saying i've been a you know a lifelong uh, supporter of him and i think people in a sense you can you can recognize his successes uh, whether it's as mayor of london whether it's helping mm. to get brexit done you know those moments but actually say as you spotted early doors actually he's not the right guy to be trusted mm. uh, to take us forward mm. and so yeah I, th- I think that's that's the position we're at and it's it's now down to uh, the tory mps yeah. and they Presumably, were <clears throat> there's no way to force a vote of no confidence from the labor side so it has to be done by his own party doesn't it uh well in in a sense i mean labor can call a vote of no confidence but of course they would lose it and uh, so, you know, they in a sense they have to keep that uh, have to keep that up mm. their sleeve unless it gets to such a serious moment. Yeah, uh, it feels pretty serious as we are. But yes, he's uh, his support is ebbing away. And what what will happen is that the moment enough Tory MPs realise that electorally they are toast, mm. then uh, that's the moment at which the Tories, you know, have a track record of being utterly brutal. Yeah. And saying that's it, mm. and and, uh, and, I guess and then all the letters near, go we're not, in. We're not near enough to a general election, are we? I suppose, but there, well, there was talk, wasn't there, that Boris might call an early election as early as maybe not next year, but the year yes. after. So, well, that's right. So, so our base case, my sort of working assumption, is that it will be summer twenty three, so about twenty months from now, right. because I think that the impact of the tax increases mm. will start to bite. Yeah. Even the economic growth figures out just literally today. Well, today, 0.1%. 0.1%. You know, this is when we're supposed to be having a huge bounce-back mm. recovery. Well, it doesn't feel like that no. 0.1% for one month. I mean, some month. people are saying that maybe November will provide something better, but then December, because of what's happened, probably yeah, won't. I, I've, uh, you know, I, I think this is the beginning of uh, a, a, a very um, plodding recovery. Mm. I mean, let's remember, the you know, the... The uh, I think it's, uh, the OBR forecast is is for the lowest growth forecast mm. over the medium term for sixty years. Yeah. Well, it's not surprising because you've got the highest tax take for yeah. seventy years. And even I've started noticing. And I mean, I know that that may sound ridiculous, but you know, I, I filled my car up the other the other day, and it was seventy five quid. It used to be sixty. Yes. Know? Yeah. It's that's, no, a, that's a lot of money. The price of fuel has absolutely gone through the yeah. roof. I mean, at the in during lockdown, it was about a pound ten mm. a gallon, give or take. Yeah. And, you know, where is it now? I mean, you're somewhere between 145, 150, 155, depending on where you are. Uh, And for an awful lot of people, this is why, you know, the holiday business... It's real cash. For an awful lot of people who who can afford to go on holiday but haven't got an awful lot of elasticity there, if they're suddenly having to take five or six hundred pounds worth more of testing, they're not going to go. And that's more trouble for the travel industry, more, you know, um, uh, you know, backwardsness and it's, directionally it's, for the economy. It's, it's the travel industry, everything that flows from that, mm. the hotels and the hospitality, the cancellations, taxis, taxis all of this. Mm. I mean, the knock on effect is huge. And of course, if if people are not coming into work, then they cancel the Christmas party. Yeah. And so it goes on. People are being sent home today yes. from, from various points around where we are now. Yes. You and know? You, know, you talk to someone like Kate Nichols. Uh, the um, CEO of uh, UK Hospitality, yeah. and you know, she just says that that so many restaurants mm. and and uh, pubs and clubs and the nighttime economy, the nighttime economy, they're all they're all on their knees yeah. in terms of they've invested, they've 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 trusted uh, the direction of travel, and then they've literally uh, had their rug pulled from mm. them completely unnecessarily, basically by a prime minister who's looking to protect his own mm. backside. Yeah. And that is no way to run the country. It's no way to why. run the economy. I, yeah, I think that's why the final straw has, has now finally dropped, I think. Um, we're basically out of time, but just tell us what you're doing this weekend. So we've got uh, got a great show coming up this weekend. Uh, I'm actually going to be talking about some foreign affairs because amongst all this madness, mm. we haven't really paid enough attention, for example, that you know, huge numbers of Russian troops yep. amassing on the Ukraine border. Yeah. Uh, that's potentially really serious. We're going to be talking about the impact on on social care, talking to uh, a leading uh, chief exec of a social care business about the impact Mm. of mandatory uh, vaccines for social care workers. Because, again, that's really serious because so many people uh, have got loved ones in care homes. And that's the other thing he wouldn't rule out the other day. He wouldn't rule that out. Um, And then also going to be talking to uh, someone uh, from Durham University about the impact of, uh, you know, wokery and... 
uh, the I hope sort you're of not be deprivation of people. freedom of speech. I hope you're not going to be distressing people and making people feel emotional. I will try not to make people Please feel do. emotional and distressed. <laughs> so we've got and that and lots more coming Wonderful up this Sunday. Wonderful stuff. Richard Tice on Sunday, 10 o'clock. Uh, he will be here uh, in, in, the, in the same spot that I am. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Right now, though, let's talk to Alistair Kerr, uh, who's South West Regional Representative at the Campaign for Pubs, because what we know, uh, for example, is rather strange wrinkle that the Sun has discovered this morning, that you could actually go and work from the pub rather than working from home. Uh, we've got this rather strange situation where people are cancelling Christmas parties, even though the government has more or less told them to carry on having them. We've got pubs where you don't have to wear a mask of any kind and you don't have to social distance. However, uh, for some reason, um, in other parts of public spaces, you have to do it. So the effect is, is of uncertainty, I think. The effect is of disappointment for an awful lot of pub owners, for an awful lot of restaurant owners as well. The hospitality business in general was in need of a massive boost this Christmas and maybe now it's not going to get it. Let's find out from Alistair uh, how he's feeling. Alistair, very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Mike. Thanks very much for having me on. Not at all. I don't know whether my summation of the situation is, is right. I mean, it's kind of weird that the government is trying to tell people to carry on as normal on the one hand with, with, with parties and with going out. But at the same time, they're telling them to sort of clamp down on everything else that they do. Yes, it's it's a slight uh, kind of double standard, really, from the government. And what, what the uh, what the essence is happening because of these uh, these introductions of restrictions on other elements of certain trade of certain hospitality trades such as nightclubs it's, it's having a knock-on effect on pubs as we speak i mean we're seeing many christmas party cancellations we're seeing consumer confidence at an all-time low and it's just really not acceptable for for what is now p- for pubs the busiest time of the year especially in the last 18 months this is a real money-making opportunity and right now pubs are seeing cancellations on a scale because mm. these restrictions in other industries are having a knock-on effect. And what are people saying, Alistair, when they cancel? Are they saying they're just not sure whether they can do it? Are they trying to cancel it before they end up having to, to lose their deposit? What's the reasoning? I think it is people are generally concerned about uh, about the new variants and they are concerned about how they're going to keep themselves safe. But, I, I mean, how they're saying it is, uh, well, you know, there's 30 of us coming to this place, uh, pub, but we don't want to go anymore, really, because, right. well... They've been informed by their employer not to. They've been informed by the government yeah. not to. But then the government said, well, you can work. The government said, Boris Johnson has said one thing and then does the other. Yeah. And then there's another double it's kind of It's just schizophrenia, really, isn't it? You can't, you can't. I mean, this is the trouble. You know, it's like if you tell people one thing, but then you also allow them to see that you've been doing something else. Because I really do think that that's had an effect, that the government's kind of, you know, Christmas party standard, which they seem to have been having last year, certainly, if they've not been doing it this year, has has also made a lot of people go, well, if you're not doing it, then maybe we should just not bother obeying the rules. But at the same time, um, their companies are saying, well, we have to be cautious and we don't want you going into a crowded space and giving each other COVID. Yes. And what what the, what who will fundamentally suffer at the end of the day is small business. And we're seeing not just the, the effects of uh, the... the uh, the kind of restrictions being imposed mm. on other elements, but we're also seeing rising, uh, raising costs of uh, labour, fuel, energy. All these prices, all these, uh, all these standard costs are increasing, and pubs are going to be running out of money by mm. January if these big parties can't come into the pubs. Right. And yes, I think, I think you are right. I think people do look at what's happening in with the government and with Boris Johnson. Either there was a party, either there wasn't. We all know there was, but. Um, you know, people are thinking, well, hang on a minute, if there's one rule for them and it's one rule for us, how come how come we're not all on a level playing field? Mm. And again, the goalposts keep moving, the the changes to our to our kind of fundamental kind of way of life is changing all the time. And I think, as I say, small businesses such as pubs, such as uh, the hospitality sector will fundamentally suffer. Yeah. And unfortunately, if this government doesn't act like we want to see that or, uh, to put to 5% on all products, including alcohol, that will help wet lead pubs. If the Chancellor isn't going to put temporary economic measures into support uh, the wider hospitality sector and pubs over the next couple of months, then unfortunately we're going to see more Mm. closures. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to do, but, I mean, can you put a figure on, or a percentage figure, on what you were hoping to make this December? Because this was going to be the sort of bounce-back effect, wasn't it, from last year, where you weren't able to reopen in November and you were able to open in in a bit of December, but then you had to shut down again and you weren't really around for, for about four months. No, absolutely. And it's vital that pubs trade uh, as viably as they can 
this month. I can't really give a percentage because each pub does vary on what what kind of money they want to take. But I can, I can assume that the figures we they wanted to take some money that would be quite high because mm. even in normal times, uh, January and February are the quietest months of the year for pubs, and they they do struggle uh, even in normal times. As yeah. I say, but it's made even harder obviously this year, and of course this is with the lockdowns and the, the, the restrictions, and also there is the fear, and this is a very real fear that more restrictions might be put on pubs mm. uh, and obviously there aren't any at the moment but restrictions might be introduced later on we just don't know we no. don't know where we stand and that's the trouble isn't it it's this whole kind of uncertainty uh, in any business you mm. can't have it i mean even in just ordinary life you can't have it i mean i'm saying to people now i literally have no clue what the next government announcement is going to be because it could be anything it could be anything from actually you know we've decided that this omicron variant is so um uh, undangerous that we're going to rel rel relinquish all of these so-called restrictions and everything's going to go back to normal or they could say uh, we're going to shut down all pubs and we're going to have a lockdown yeah absolutely i mean we're even seeing that uh, the scottish government today have actually advised people not not to go to christmas parties at all yeah and it's you can't operate, any country cannot operate on a seesaw basis economy. You can't just close one minute and open up the next and hope everything's yeah. well. This, 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 this government, the Chancellor certainly, needs to put in certain economic measures that will help out throughout the coming months. Because you can't just put restrictions in and just hope for the best. Mm. No, that's exactly. What this, that's what this blasé kind of government approach is. And I, I think it's absolutely, it's an insult to hardworking people mm. of our country, especially the small businesses, especially pubs, who have been put up with so much, who have done so much, who have followed the rules, have actually enforced them to an absolute degree. Yeah. And if we're not going to have the support from this government, then fundamentally, as I say, we're going to see a lot more closures, a lot more people out of work, and a lot more, you know, a lot, a lot more unhappiness. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at all the things, you've, all the hoops you've had to jump through. You've had the rule of six, you've had the curfews, you've had the scotch egg uh, nonsense, you've had the, mm. um, you know, don't stand at the bar, uh, only sit down and order on an app. You've had the don't stand inside the pub, but you can go inside the pub to order a drink. I know all this, of course, because I've been to quite a lot of pubs over the course of the whole yeah. uh, nonsensical sort of year that we've just lived through. But I mean, every single time you guys have done exactly what you've been asked to do. And, you know, here you are now, as you say, there's no furlough money. There's no reduced VAT. There's nothing really that as an incentive they can give you. All they can do is say, well, we've told everyone to keep going to the pub. That's it. Mm. Absolutely. And it's ironic, really, because in the in the recent budget, the chance of quite, quite, uh, quite, uh, uh, with glee, boasted that pints would be cheaper. And actually, they won't be, because unfortunately, uh, we may see some pubs have to increase the increase the price on pints because, mm. unfortunately, you do have to offset some cost onto the customer, yeah. and that's that isn't by choice. No, no publican wants to really do that. It's just unfortunately when you're pushed into a corner, you've got to you've got to do everything you can to survive. Yeah, and uh, I, I, it's just genuine despair. It, it really is. And as I say, you know, we need VAT at five percent across all products. This will help wet lead pubs. We need business rates you know, seriously looked at for the next couple of months. And really, if this Chancellor does genuinely care about, uh, you know, rebuilding our economy and levelling up, that a, a flexi kind of furlough scheme should be introduced for the next couple of months to help employers. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Well, listen, I don't envy you, Alison. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And, and it must be really, really awful if you are a publican or if you are somebody that runs a pub or runs a, a, a hospitality business of any kind, because there is no clue, really, as to what's going to happen next. Who can say what the government will do? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So here we are. Esther Cracker is here. Very good morning to you. Good morning. It looks nice out there. I know. It's very cold and windy. It's not going to rain today, which is good. That is good. Now, you've just come here on public transport. How was it? it Were the police on public transport telling you what to do? Oh, no. Well, last week they asked me if I had had a mask, and I just said I'm exempt and walked on. Right. Um, And then they can't do anything, right? Yeah, they can't. They they really can't. I fortunately have the race card to pull, which I, I don't pull, but it's 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 in the back pocket. Just being, how dare you? I'm a woman of colour. You're doing this because I'm a woman of colour. That's a great, that's a great one, right? I know it's terrible, but you know, at this point, I feel like it's all fair. Mm. You know, um, TFL is ridiculous. It's useless. Yeah. I was on the train to Morden via Bank right. on the Northern Line, and suddenly it decided to go from Camden to Mornington Crescent. Yes. Which if anyone knows, haven't they? Sh- I think they've shut it though. I think they've shut that whole the whole bank branch is shut, isn't it? It's, it's not shut, but they didn't tell us that they were redirecting the train line yeah. so we would have i would have ended up in charing cross mm. um no no announcements nothing so we i had to get off at euston yeah. and then switch the but that took up minutes of my time which yes. i don't have to expend well, no. for this kind of you don't well this is the thing you don't expect to have to make ridiculous kind of allowances for travel exactly you think right i'm going somewhere which will take me half an hour therefore i will leave half an hour for that to happen but it's almost like now we are increasingly becoming like what used to be developing countries, capital cities, where yeah. you knew that you would take four hours to do you anything. get somewhere. It's getting like but that But the thing now. is, the standard of our public services is getting worse. It is. That's the problem. It's not the fact that, you know, this is a slight inconvenience. This is a constant inconvenience. Yeah. Right? The the, the tube strikes are happening, basically the whole of London is shut down mm. because you can't get anywhere. There are no night trains. Right. And now, even basic announcements. This is just something that could have just been said over sort of the, the radio or whatever. Yeah. You could have just well, said that. Well, they're too busy making announcements about wearing face masks. Though, oh, face yeah, or, or like touching. I saw like there was a sign in, in the station, you know, just, <laughs> just outside saying, you cannot touch anyone. I was like, oh, you've made that perfectly really? clear, but can you make the trains work? Yeah, that's all you ask for, really. Yeah. It's not It's not really asking too much, is it? Exactly. Just have a service that people can use. I mean, I it's have to It's not getting stop. worse. I've, I didn't used to have a car when I first worked here, and, and I used to go to Sussex at the weekend, I used to use the train. But it became so unreliable yeah. that I was like, you know... Quite often on a Sunday, there would be a replacement bus service. Which is and just For horrific. some reason, when the bus service replaces the train, instead of being sensible and having a bus that runs from like one station to London, yeah. they would run it to all the other stops. So yeah. And it's like, well, that works fine for the train. And they come like once every hour. Yeah. But also that works fine for the train because it goes in a straight line. But mm. when you're in a bus... So instead of an hour on the train, it's three hours on the bus. Yep. And you're kind of just going, I can't. And they don't even come frequently. This is the thing. Like, no. I, us- I would usually take an overground straight to King's Cross and yeah. then King's Cross, you know, do my business. Right. I, I refuse. I drive an extra 30 minutes to a nearby station yeah. just to make sure I'm on a London tube. And now the London tube isn't working. No. So, yeah, it's just... It the is. TFL is run by morons. It really is. But the one thing that you can guarantee is that not only do they run it badly, but it costs an awful lot of money. money to do it. Do you know it's how many debt. people work there who are paid more than six-figure salaries? And I think it's some ridiculous number like 75 yeah there's loads of them and nobody knows what they do they all sit well they all probably work from home actually um but they're sort of commissioners of this and czars of that um and, you know, <laughs> diversity specialists and you well, know apparently train drivers make pretty good they make like 60 grand a year oh yeah so well, I they're was all just... going on strike though because they don't want to work four nights a week which is because i was sorry, asking four nights sorry four nights a year this is what I was because i didn't want to sort of put my foot in it if i didn't understand it properly but i just thought okay you're on 60 grand a year which is livable in london yeah. just just about what exactly are you striking for because they're being asked to work at night and you think well you work, surely that's just a shift you work change. yeah you work in a business where the trains run at night yeah so who do you think is going to drive them maybe the train drivers are going to drive them and they're supposed to be working four nights a year yeah so but these are the same people that have a problem with invisible train drivers right so like well, you know that's what's going to happen upgrading yeah exactly the upgrading our train systems. yeah exactly which is uh I, I mean, I was telling you, when I was, a, when I was a kid and I used to take the tube to school, they used to have a guard, right, in yeah. the last carriage. There was mm-hmm. a guy that pressed the buttons to open and close the doors. Mm-hmm. And, of course, well, that's vanished, now done yeah. automatically. When they got rid of him, you should have seen the complaints from, from everybody to what was then TFL. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be dangerous. People are going to die. You know, people are going to get trapped in the doors. 
you know, people are not going to feel safe enough to travel. And, of course, none of that's true. Happened, yeah. You get So you'll, they'll end up getting rid of everybody. Yeah. And there won't be anybody working there at all. But then again, will the machines be efficient? Well, they if can't it breaks any, down, does the whole of London come to a standstill? They can't be any less efficient. It's a bit like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I have conversations with people about everything that in this country doesn't work, like the border force, for example. Yeah, they oh can't stop people coming in. Yeah. And, in fact, they'd rather they didn't have to stop them coming in. They've actually put, uh, they've asked for a judicial review uh, on the Home Office's um, plans for them to send people back right yeah. but also they can't run the machines at Heathrow Airport so every now and again when you come in you might have to wait five hours in a queue because the software doesn't work very to, well. to scan your passport the biometric yeah. thing yeah because oh, sometimes the gates don't work and then the police have just uh, told us that they've got a new computer system which is now a, a billion pounds overspent five okay. years late mm-hmm. and it still doesn't work well so it's the joys of it is the joys I mean I don't know what it's like in Ghana where your family <laughs> But it can't be any less efficient than here. I think we will surprise you. Really? Is it worse? <laughs> it's 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 getting better, but it's obviously the standard is still further back. Oh. Um, I think our expectations are, are lower. So right. even if the you know the police force did get an extra billion pounds right. of funding, we'd be very grateful. But you were telling me that when you were there last, there was nobody wearing masks. There was nobody getting vaccinated. Oh no vaccinated. no no! But the thing is, that's because we have real concerns. Yes. Like we don't have a government saying actually we'll pay your wages for the next year. Right. Just stay at home and do nothing. I mean, right. like, what a luxury that would be. Right. People would cut their arms off just to be unemployed. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it's just it's an attitude towards actual um, life and mm. urgency. When yeah. you have you know kids' school fees, the to, school fees to pay, mm. mouths to feed, yeah. you know you don't have the safety net of the government. Your attitude right. towards life is completely different. Mm. Um, and I think that's what people are missing here because yeah. we, we're increasingly we've become too comfortable. Exactly, we're increasing, and this is the thing: the more and more we shift towards a nanny state, right. the more incompetent the government becomes. Yeah. And it has become incredibly incompetent over the past sort of six months. And it's, we're it's now, ridiculous. We're now faced with a situation, I was saying this to Richard Tice, where I literally don't know what they're going to do next. Yeah. They could do anything. Exactly. They and could you'd come have out. some morons just saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's I mean, I wouldn't be surprised things. if Boris Johnson walked out for his next press conference and declared that on Mondays everybody will have to wear something red. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, on Wednesdays it, we wear pink. Yeah. That's do you know, it reference. could literally be that because yeah. they could lock everything down or yeah. they could release everybody. But what is disturbing me, and I noticed you uh, retweeted it, Andrew Neil, the latest guy to come out and say people who are unvaccinated should be treated differently. I know. It's unbelievable, isn't I, it? I, is, he, is he going through some mental health issues? Well, I think he's really going through some very strange... Um, he's feeling very sorry for himself. And I mean, doesn't he, has, he live in France? Well, he does. So... Yeah. I mean, he lives... He has a place here, I think, as well. Uh-huh. But, I mean, he's kind of ruining his what whatever was going to be his legacy. I mean, he came out of the BBC complaining that the BBC was terrible, treated him badly, then went off to but work he... for another organisation, which we don't mention. Um, <laughs> and then... And, and I'm sure they're all counting their lucky stars going, well, thank God he didn't yeah. come here in the end. But the thing is, he's he was harping on about how well vaccine passports have worked in France, but they, they've just but closed they down nightclubs. Yeah. You can't go to a nightclub in, in France. Right. And it's just, you know, I was listening to the radio and they were saying, oh, well, France is tackling their fifth wave. And mm. I just think, good Lord, how many waves are there left? Yeah. Like France is in actually a worse state than the UK. It is. And we haven't implemented... Well, vaccine every place, passports. including France, where they've had vaccine passports, has has not curtailed the, exactly. the, the the spread of the disease because it doesn't work. And it sets a very dangerous precedent. This is the thing, you know. I, I don't mind him having his opinions, but I just think, where is this coming from? Because this kind of goes against your tradition of, you know, it's not very libertarian. And, yeah, exactly. And I mean, if anything, he used to be a relatively kind of you know old school conservative, but interestingly yeah. libertarian conservative, yeah, exactly. you know. And so he wouldn't normally have said something like that. And I just, and I don't know if he doesn't understand the people, like because for me, what people like him and even Lord Sugar, who's come yeah. out in support of these vaccine passports, what they have failed to do is make a reasonable case mm. to the unvaccinated, yeah. addressing their concerns. I know people that are not vaccinated one because they don't they don't believe it's been long out long enough yeah. for us to even study the effect, which is right. very very fair enough. Yeah, right. I completely. Well, agree anyone with that. who decides not to. You know, it's entirely they have affair. their own reasons. Yeah. But the thing is, my 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 question, my argument is. Why, why haven't you addressed those? Because then, surely, if you say, if you can address the concerns that they have, mm. then you can render their argument redundant. Like, I, I was saying to you, I only got the vaccine because I'm asthmatic. Mm. And I didn't want, and because I didn't get COVID mm. during the pandemic, I didn't have any natural antibodies. Right. So that's the only, I'm not getting this booster or any of that crap. Yeah. But that's the only reason why I got it. If I had gotten COVID, mm. I wouldn't have got the vaccine because right. I'm 25, I'm in good health I'm yeah. very fit yeah. and I would have had natural antibodies so I wouldn't have been worried about it mm. but I didn't so I just thought okay this is fine I'm not getting the booster or any of that stuff and yeah. if I get COVID now I feel like I'm really but of course now they're saying well we're not sure if the new variant will um, uh, not be completely and utterly um, you know, able I know. to bypass the vaccine so you better have another one you go hang on a minute 
if it doesn't work for the two previous ones, why would you get a third but one? But the thing is, and I was making a joke, like we're gonna we're not gonna be able to drink water because we're gonna have so many holes in our body <laughs> from all the jabs we're gonna get. Right. And there were people that were saying, Oh, the reason why the Omicron variant has come is because Africans aren't vaccinated. And I was like, Well, guess what? That's a reality you're gonna have to deal with. Because they're not gonna get vaccinated. Well also it's kind of a misnomer to say it came from Africa because it actually didn't. But it, we, it, it, the it was planet's discovered what, what, in Africa. Eight for billion the first people. Time. Yeah. Do you not expect a virus to mutate on in a population of eight billion people, mm. vaccinated or unvaccinated? Mm. I mean the, the conversation that, that that particular argument is so redundant it's not even funny yeah. it could have come from the caves of Asia mm. it could have come from somewhere in sort of the Appalachian Mountain it China literally it could have come possibly well, well yeah yeah, I mean, which is apparently COVID-free, we're told. I know, well... But we don't know if that's true. We don't want to trust anything the Chinese government No, you really say. don't. But, I mean, if they are COVID-free, um, I wonder how they did that. And if yeah. they are COVID-free, shouldn't we be trying to find out what they did? Their vaccines are, like, at 60% efficacy. There mm. is not a word coming out of the CCP right. that I'll ever believe, ever. You can't. You absolutely can't. But, I mean, this is the thing now. We've got Boris Johnson refusing to rule out actual vaccines. Well, he can't rule out anything. Past, you know, mandatory vaccines. Yeah. But, I mean, he's done, right? Isn't he? What do you think? But you know the crazy... Th- well, yes, he is done. But he, And I, I was listening to a, a commentator yesterday saying it's mostly the influences around him, which is fair enough. But I also think this is really... Everything that's happened during this pandemic is literally his worst nightmare. Because yeah. the, what made him more tolerable, I should say, not lovable, was the fact that he had this like sort of buffoonery like yeah. persona right he was the, the na- nation's, nation's intelligent buffoon yeah um and now he's had to take on this serious role where he hasn't really been able to roll out any of the things that he wanted to other than this whole green agenda which nobody voted for um so it's really his his worst nightmare but i i just think he, he can't really rule anything out because you don't know where this is going to go you don't know how i mean you would think that voices of reason like sort of lord sugar and mm. um Andrew Neil would say actually no to vaccine passports because it's a liberal and it's nonsense and it's yes. not in the fabric of the and society. And it doesn't that we actually have. work. But they are, they are actually pushing for it. So you just think we're living in a dystopian nightmare or the, the start of it, really. Mm. No, absolutely right. And the thing is that the more we separate people in society, the worse mm. it gets. And we now definitely have a two tier society. society. We have people who think that uh, you know all of these restrictions are good and they want more and they want to work from home yeah, and, they and enjoy get paid it. forever. Yeah, and they want to make sure that all of you terribly awful, ghastly people who don't wear masks and who haven't been vaccinated are somehow treated as the unclean, yep. you know, second class citizens. And it's really dangerous, I think. But at least just for the good of the of the society that we live in. At least you can access places that the vaccinated can if you show a negative test. And most of Europe that's not the case. They're just mm. saying the vaccine or nothing right and it's really like and this is the thing i feel really sorry for young people because if you can imagine especially because most of the people that are not taking the vaccine are young yeah which is you can understand why and they're also of ethnic minorities yeah a lot of ethnic minorities exactly aren't that's like six only 60 percent of the black population in the yeah. uk is vaccinated so i'm just thinking how do you what worries me is you can't make a good argument to mm. them because they were plunged into this pandemic their futures have been extremely destabilized yeah. a lot of people have been unemployed for to the entirety of the pandemic, mm. you know, you've plunged their lives into disarray and now you're telling them that the only way they can come out of this is to take, uh, to inject a foreign substance into mm. their body that one, they don't trust because it's not been out long enough and two, that they simply don't want to or they feel like they yeah. don't need. How can you possibly make a good case to them that's where you no. hear crickets? And, and also, none of these people want to do that. And also, given that everything that the government has said that if you do this, then that will happen yeah. hasn't turned out to be true. All these models Why would you predicting? believe them? Exactly. You know, they told us that we had to shut down in November last year to save Christmas. Didn't happen. Save the NHS. Didn't save Christmas. And now the, the scandal coming out of Downing Street yeah. hasn't helped as well. This is the thing as well. Why should we take the vaccine and follow your rules when, you know, just a year ago, the time when people couldn't see their dying family members, yeah. you were having a party. Yeah. And the only person that took the fall for that was um was yeah exactly Apparently and it was a, a party of one it was a party of multiple people 50 people exactly so supposedly. what happened to all those people well i think there's going to be more coming out from there but let's see esther i've got another couple of things to talk to you about so there you are esther cracker is here uh, this is the independent republican mike graham we will take loads more of your calls i know lots of you want to talk to me we will get there this is tool radio <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're going to be talking about the NHS coming up a little while, how useless it is, how 12 hours is the average wait now for many, many people. A record number of patients waiting at least 12 hours before they get seen in A&E. So you get wheeled in, somebody maybe checks you over, uh, but before anybody comes back, it's another 12 hours. It's just ridiculous. Doctor's appointments are still really hard to get. I don't know whether you've ever tried to get a doctor's appointment. No, I have to wait two weeks now. Yeah. I don't even bother. So many people I speak to now who ring in, they just say, if I need something actually done i'm just going private and i'm I'm just having to find the money because you know the system is so broken 
now. Mm. And this idea that we have to save the NHS at all times. You it's know, the church to... of the NHS. Yeah, it is. Just, just, it's like a cult. This is the thing. I, I don't understand why we can't have an actual adult conversation about mm. the NHS. Do yeah. people not realise... Like, are people just not aspirational or do they not think they can get better? I just, I don't understand what, mm. what the reluctance is of the country to have a conversation about the NHS. I partly blame the politicians yeah. that have made it such a binary issue. Yeah. You know, privatise the NHS or, you know, try and reform the NHS yeah. and you're going to get American style sort of healthcare where you're right. paying through the roof for insurance or just keep it the way it is and just keep it, like, just keep sinking yeah. money into it. And I've actually had this conversation with people and, you know, uh, 20% of your income tax goes towards the, the NHS. NHS. So yeah. actually, if you think about how much money you pay, you're not getting it for free. You're actually paying effectively an insurance price anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I've lived in America and the insurance that I paid to have a health cover was not any more than I pay in income tax for the NHS here. Yeah, so actually, yeah. it's a bit of a misnomer to say, oh, we don't want to enter into that terrible privacy uh, situation because in, the, in a way... We, those of us who work are all paying for it and this is the thing I would actually I would support an argument I would support a two-tier system or a two-tier approach mm. to the NHS where you know kind of basic general health care you can you can have some con contributions to it so you can pay whatever you want towards yeah. it and then you can get sort of you know premium if you want to see a, a GP or whatever right. and then you can have you know pay a tax for emergency health care like mm. surgeries and expensive stuff that you can again pay towards or you can just have it free at the point of, point of service these right. are conversations we need to have yes. because most of the NHS is not employing like the bulk of the people the nhs employs are not medical professionals no. they're all admin yeah, and right. just you know making well when they gave out the there was an the nhs one of the nhs trusts up in the north of england they gave out a, a covid badge <laughs> you know for people who had fought on the good the hard side fight. Of, yeah the hard fight and, and you know you could have a medal basically for fighting covid right and this guy rang us up and he said oh yeah my um my wife's got one of those she's been working from home for the last 18 months because yeah. she's an admin assistant exactly she wasn't in the front line at all so giving people a medal for working from home great it's it's ridiculous um but yeah i think i think we really need to have a serious conversation i think any politician that has the balls to do that will probably you know get very far in his, yeah his but there career. is still this kind of there's an awful lot of people who are part of the nhs because it does employ an awful lot of people mm. and so a lot of people have somebody they know who works in it yeah and they all say oh but you know we're all working so hard and it's so terrible and the conditions are but awful this is the thing. we're on our last legs and you know we're literally you know we're so tired and all they the time. work all the time yeah. and i just think really? and i'm like why wouldn't you want it to be better though like i yeah. have people i know people that work in the nhs and i get infuriated because i just think you should be paid more mm. and you should be working better hours and you shouldn't have to be dealing with this creaking but system. Not I mean, all paid some of the computers either. don't even work. No, all well, their computer systems are absolutely I mean, useless. Prehistoric. Are, another another uh, four billion pounds was spent by the government. I think this was two governments ago yeah. um, to bring in a new computer system. Didn't work. Yeah. So they just abandoned it. But this is the thing: you can sink as much money as you want into mm. the NHS. The system is broken. It is. Like you can put makeup on a pig; it's still a pig. Yes, absolutely right. I'm sorry you said it that way, but you know, <laughs> I hope you didn't mean anything by it. Um, now we're going to finish up with the What's on Stage Awards because yeah. the What's on Stage Awards have announced the changes to their new nominations okay mm. and instead of having best female and male actress and actor awards they're having uh, best female identifying role and best male identifying role Which now is i don't know what that means for people does that mean if you're a male actor but you identify or you want to win the female actor award yeah. you can actually identify as a female or well, i don't know how that works the thing is... It's very confusing for people I, like me. I, I keep talking about this and sometimes I get exhausted because I just think, <laughs> God, my, 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 brain, my brain power could be better spent doing so much yes. more, right? And the kind of intelligent people that we have, like yourself, yes. right? Constantly having these conversations mm. about why are we changing the fundamental structure of society yes. to accommodate confused individuals. Yes. If you can identify as whatever you want, mm. that does not change your biology. Yes. Actor and actress categories are actually good for women mm. because you don't have to compete with right. men. And you can be a, a fantastic actress in your own right. That doesn't take anything away from you as an actor, right. an, an, an actor. Right. Um, it's the same thing with the, what is it? The, Brit the Brits, yeah. Exactly. So they've done away with all of that now. I said, that's but great. They're, they're, they're actually hurting women. Mm. And this is the thing. And it's all off the back of Demi Lovato and Sam Smith, who identifies God knows what. And yeah. I just think, who cares? Them. You, you, yeah, they, them. Like, they're tapeworms. They're, like they're yeah, a bunch of tapeworms. used to be the name of a band that Van Morrison was in, you know, <laughs> and that's why they would turn up at the, the, the awards and what, go, them. them. And that's the name of the it's band. It's them. But every time I that's have fantastic. this conversation, I end up more confused than, than you know, more clear. I get really frustrated. Yeah. I get really... And this is the thing. I don't think people understand how primitive and stupid this is. Like, mm. cavemen knew this. Yeah. Cavemen knew this. Cavemen knew the differences between men and women. Yes. Right? The most primitive life forms on the planet understand the, the differences between the male... Yeah. 
speak gender and the female yes. gender why why is it us the most sophisticated life forms on the planet that has ever been don't understand it and now we're trying to restructure the yeah. way society works for they them yes it's kind of evolution in reverse i think i i just it blows my mind i know um, it is ridiculous well listen great to see you thank you thank you very much indeed uh shall we see you this time next week perhaps um, or are maybe. you not going to be around uh, i don't know you might be busy I'm maybe in paris you? um but i i don't know because oh no i won't be around either i'm just being i'm just being reminded i think i'm doing breakfast this time next week really yeah Okay. Well, you mean you have to get up really early in that case. I, I know. You won't fancy <laughs> that. <laughs> anyway, well, listen, I'll see you before Christmas for sure. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Because uh, we've got another two weeks to go. I know. Gosh, so. before, maybe Boris might ruin our Christmas. He might tell us I suspect he might. But we he's can't not have really turkey, mine. we have to have chicken he's because not, of their carbon yeah. footprint. Yeah, he's not really mine. I see there's, there's a, a ridiculous story today, which I haven't done yet, where some, some, there's some sustainable McDonald's has been built oh, somewhere. You, I mean, have you ever like, seen a McDonald's being built? They just pop up like no, mushrooms. I think they just drop them out of the back of a lorry, don't they? It's already like prefabricated. I have never seen a McDonald's. The golden arches, yeah. I don't even know what they're made of. But anyway, this one's made of all sorts of ridiculous things like reconstituted rubber and, oh you know, bits of cork. Those awful straws. And it's like, you might as well just make it in a cave. Yeah. What, you know, what, this or is a why, shoebox. I know, it's mad. Anyway, Esther Kraku, thank you very much indeed. Uh, as ever, very sensible uh, conversation. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk about the NHS a little bit more because there is this new report out in which it says uh, that basically there's a record number of people waiting for more than 11 hours when they go into an A&E. And if you just think about that for a minute, just think about it. So if you were going into the A&E now, right, 11.31 uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, Friday morning, I should say, uh, nobody's going to see you until quite a lot later on tonight, 10.30 p.m., at which point you'll have been lying there for 11 hours You'll be absolutely not utterly at the end of your tether. You might be in quite a lot of pain. You might be uh, at a sort of at your wit's end. It's just not acceptable. And when, as Esther Kwaku said, are we going to understand that the NHS needs to be more efficient? It's got nothing to do with funding. It's got everything to do with mismanagement. Mark Littlewood's going to join us, Director General of the Institute for Economic Affairs. Mark, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. Yes, indeed. I feel like I've seen a lot of you this week, which is no, no bad thing. And uh, greetings of the season, I should say. Uh, let me ask you about the NHS, because we talk about it all the time. We constantly hear the refrain, we must protect the NHS, we must safeguard the NHS, we mustn't let the NHS be overrun. We now appear to be saying that without any real notion of what it even means. I think that's right, Mike. And those A&E numbers you've given are, are horrific, aren't they? Eye-watering. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be there if it's if it's an emergency, right. and you'd expect an emergency to be dealt with almost on the spot. Well, I mean, you would within think. an hour, not eleven hours. And you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg, Mike. If you, how many people do you think are, are waiting now more than a year for non-urgent operations? Not the sort of thing you go into mm. A and E for, but non-urgent. Well, it's millions. I think waiting it's in, the, in the millions, isn't it? Six million people, 10% of the population of the country, yeah. waiting more than a year. Uh, now, that might not be life-threatening, but it means you're, you know, you're carrying an injury or some sort of problem with you for more than a year. It's extraordinary. So wherever you look, you've got these horrific backlogs, waiting lists, all of the rest. And you're quite right with what you said, Mike. The, the question here is, is, one of, is the system working efficiently? I think often in people's minds, quite understandably, you know, we think fondly of the nurses and the doctors and the surgeons who are doing their very best, and no doubt they generally are, but the system is completely broken. And the UK's numbers on this compare very unfavorably with very similar European countries. We might have a bit to learn from the rest of the world on how we should yeah. provide healthcare in the United Kingdom and a bit less to teach it, frankly. Well, this is the thing. I mean, whenever I talk to people about the way it works in other countries, there is no other country that copies our model which should tell you that our model perhaps isn't the best one in the world. In fact, I think I'm right in saying that it's only the 28th best one in the world and it actually isn't terribly efficient because everyone's got a story um, and everyone's probably got a good story, but everyone has certainly got a story of delay, uh, of cancellation. Uh, certainly the lockdown hasn't helped. But even before that, you know, I used to take my kids to the doctor or ring the doctors and they basically say, well, you know, bring them in in a week if they're still ill. And you kind of go, yeah. well, they're ill now, so why don't you just see them now and then give them some antibiotics and that'll be fine. But they used to start yeah. this, this refrain, oh, we don't want to give them antibiotics because they might become immune. And you go, well, what, what, they're not going to get any better unless you give them to them. Yeah, it's extraordinary how the system works and all of the bureaucracy around it. I mean, Mike, I have a medical condition, asthma, which I need to take regular 
drugs for mm. but the bureaucracy that i have to go through just to get a repeat prescription that isn't even a dangerous drug i need to fill in a form and it's be picked up from the surgery go to the pharmacy it takes 48 hours you would have thought they could do it in 48 seconds you would so wherever you look it's uh it's a bureaucratic mess and there are huge waiting times and we shouldn't be surprised really i mean let's be honest about this we are organizing our healthcare system in pretty much the same way that the Soviet Union organized its food supply mm. system. It's a gigantic national monopoly. It's one of the top two or three employers anywhere on planet Earth. And these gargantuan monstrosities, these huge bureaucracies tend to operate like that. And if you were to look uh, across the channel, and as you rightly say, Mike, if the NHS is the envy of the world, it's a little bit surprising that dim Johnny Foreigner hasn't replicated it, you'd think. <laughs> I mean, why, why, you know, how envious are they? Green with envy looking over the English Channel. Yes. But if you look about how they do things there, it's much more decentralised, much more devolved. Decisions can be made on the ground. There aren't edicts coming from above, from the Matt Hancocks or the Sergeant Jarvids trying to run it all from an office in yeah. Whitehall. And that gets you better results. That means generally, I mean, if you were to look at, say, a country like Denmark, about mm. as rich as us, uh, well, their waiting times hugely lower if you're waiting for cataract surgery in denmark average wait 36 days here almost double 65 days average wait for a knee replacement in denmark 44 days here yeah. more than twice that 98 so what are the rest of europe doing well that we are doing badly well i think it's because they've got a much more decentralized frankly a slightly more marketized mm. system where there's competition in the system doesn't mean you have to pay no. for everything you know, at the point of use but it does mean that you've got a race to the top amongst different providers, and that usually serves patients and customers very well indeed. Of course. But, of course, the problem is as well that, uh, you know, almost every level of the NHS is overburdened with management. Almost every level of it is overburdened with the inability to get value for money because you would think if you were the biggest medical organisation in a country that you would be able to get all sorts of cheap uh, medical equipment, all sorts of cheap pharmacy, um, uh, pharmacological, pharmacological equipment, all sorts of cheap medicine, because you're the monopoly buyer. But instead, they seem to pay through the nose for it. You know, and I know lots of people who work in hospitals, nurses, doctors, etc., who say that at any given time, you can open a cupboard door and there's loads of stuff in there that's been there for about two years that was overordered that they don't know what to do with. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And of course... You, we regularly hear these sort of preposterous stories, don't we, Mike? I mean, unfortunately, preposterous, but true about, you know, some extraordinary cost for screwing in a light bulb or buying a shower curtain yes. or something. And again, it's because you really haven't got people at the coalface who are working for the hospital as if it were a company. Obviously, mm. the purpose of the hospital is to get people fit and healthy, not necessarily to make a profit. But you've got to keep those eyes on those margins. And if you're part of this enormous national infrastructure following endless edicts about how you procure things and the rest of it, you don't have the fleetness of foot that you might have if you could make your own decisions at the coalface rather than following endless bureaucratic national protocols. I think we would save an awful lot of that money. So the overhead in the NHS, in effect, because it is so bureaucratic, because it's a kind of one size fits all orders come down from the top mm. rather than sensible decisions being made on the ground leads to all of that waste and inefficiency that you've just highlighted. Mike. Exactly right. And also, I always I take issue with people who say that it's free. One, it's not free because we pay something like 20% of our income tax to the NHS. And if I look at what I paid when I lived in America for my Blue Cross Blue Shield family insurance cover, uh, which cost me uh, something like $6,000 a year, which included um, having one child born in a hospital there, um, it wasn't much different from the amount of money that I would pay here to the NHS. So actually, it's a sort of faux argument to say that, oh, we don't want to go down that road. You're right. You're right, Mike. It shouldn't be described as free. It should be described as unpriced yes. rather than free. Uh, no, it, I like it that. It is unpriced. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the truth of it. And I was making, you know, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but only slightly tongue-in-cheek, that comparison with the way the Soviet Union dealt with food. Well, it was very similar, that they basically, you know, it was almost... Uh, extremely cheap to get bread in the Soviet Union, but there was never any of it. There were mm. huge queues for exactly the same economic reasons that you get queues and waiting times here. The price mechanism doesn't operate anywhere. Now, I know a lot of your listeners might might be thinking, oh, well, hang on, I'm not so sure about the price mechanism. You know, supposing I need some extremely expensive cancer treatment costing hundreds of thousands of pounds, where would I get that money from? Well, you know what? Most other Western European countries seem to have cracked that right across 
uh, uh, Europe, certainly in the Western part of Europe, you've got universal healthcare coverage. Everybody has a healthcare package, but it's done like insurance. So you pay in a bit, and if you're unlucky enough to need extremely expensive treatment, then it's your insurer that pays out. And you have competitive providers. You have one hospital striving to be better than the, mm. the one next door, one surgeon striving to be better than the two or three down the road. We have a little of that in the private sector here in the UK, but nothing like enough of it in the publicly mm. provided sector. And so it's going to go from bad to worse. And the targets, you know, Mike, you mentioned this ghastly number at the top about, uh, you know, waits, waits of more than 11 hours in A&E. The targets aren't usually worth the paper there written on. I mean, the NHS's constitution says that there should be no more than an 18-week waiting time for non-urgent surgery. Well, over a third of patients are waiting more than 18 weeks for non-urgent surgery. So you get these grandstanding pledges, often made by politicians, that sound like they're going to deliver, but unfortunately they don't. So this is what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to have a good, long, hard look at what they do in Germany, mm. in the Netherlands, in Switzerland, and ask ourselves, surely to God, we don't have the arrogance to believe there are no lessons to be learned from how countries of a similar degree of affluence to us apparently deal with patients so much better. Yeah, I think it's absolutely right. Well said, Mark. Thank you very much indeed. Mark Littlewood, the Director General of the Institute of Economic Affairs, talking about what we could do to ensure that the NHS actually does become more efficient. How about learning a few lessons from overseas, particularly in some parts of Europe where there are very similar setups, where there are very similar uh, situations regarding medical care and regarding the sorts of medical challenges that they face? Surely somebody somewhere is going to say that finally in government. We must make the NHS better. It's not difficult, is it? Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.